Ridge Runner Nation, what is up? Welcome back to another edition of Ridge Runners Live. Tonight we have very special guests, Nick Voss, Travis Zipfel, a new host, Cam Wrench, and we are excited. We're talking everyone's training, Leslie's disappearance after the Shawnee 100, Travis's goals for Canal Corridor 100, and more. So sit back and enjoy. So let's go elephant in the room right now. I'm here this week instead of Wesley. Um, in case you didn't notice them talking about it on the rundown or see the Strava post or anything. Uh, basically, Wesley got lost in the Shawnee forest so poorly that he decided to leave ultra running altogether, apparently. And now he works uh, filming videos of dirt stock car racing. So this will be quite the change for the whole nation. But until Wesley can come back, I'll be taking over hosting duties for um, Ridge Runners Live, very much in like a 12th man kind of way. Um, and much like my high school football career, you'll notice that uh, much like a 12th man, I probably should have stayed on the bench. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, I promise to be like a Ryan Fitzpatrick level placeholder until Wesley can come back, um, take over his franchise quarterback uh, duties. Some of y'all might remember me from either episode two of this show or that one short appearance I had on the uh, rundown talking about the lovely weather that we have here in Chicago. So uh, with all that said, uh, let's go ahead and start the show. Cool. I appreciate you uh, joining us and taking over Wesley's duties. He is, um, he will be coming back and he's going to be greatly missed. And I imagine he's going to be somewhere watching this at some point. So hi, Wesley, we miss you. Um, let's start off with what we're drinking this evening. Um, Let's go with uh, Travis. What do you have tonight? Uh, I have a delicious cucumber, melon, seltzer water. Uh, you know, I like to like to clean up my act around here sometimes. Uh, so, no, no drinking, no drinking from me tonight. Cam, what do you got over there? I have a uh, Deschutes Fresh Squeezed IPA, courtesy of the uh, Hyde Park Trader Joe's here. Um, it said I'm local next to it, so. That was like all the criteria I need. Uh, don't ask me about IPAs. I don't really know. Cam, I don't think that's local. I've been to the brewery. It's out in Oregon. Really? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to lay the blame squarely on Trader Joe's then and not on my ability to read. <laughs> How about you, Nick? What are you drinking tonight? I got a, uh, it's called The Big Reveal from uh who parted in Columbus. So I was back in Columbus a few weeks ago and smuggled a few of these puppies in my luggage on the way back. Nice. And then uh, I've got myself a very good brew dog, Casey Jane. Um, very much enjoy the brew dog stuff. And if anyone ever gets a chance to go visit their tap facility down in, uh, oh, where is it? Just Canal. outside of Canal Chester. It's, a, it's awesome. It's a, it's a wonderful place. So. But let's jump into tonight's show. Obviously, we have a panel this evening for you guys, um, consisting of obviously Cam, Travis, and Nick. And we're just going to talk about all the exciting things. Uh, Wesley being lost in the Shawnee Forest. Um, we can talk with Nick a little bit about that and see how if uh, how it went helping him out. Um, and we'll definitely probably chat with Travis some on the now uh, corridor prep stuff like that. So. Where do we want to start? I don't know. Cam, where do you want to start this evening? Um, I'd say let's start a little bit with Nick Voss's experiences uh, going and pacing Wesley down there in Shawnee. Uh, if I remember correctly, you landed in Columbus at like midnight, right? Yeah, it was pretty late. Um, I think maybe just before midnight because I just had enough time to pick up my rental car before the counter closed and uh, pretty much just took off straight for uh, the Shawnee forest and plan was for me to get as much sleep as possible in the, in the lodge parking lot. It's easy to find Wes's car. It's got that bright orange Kia soul. So uh, parked next to him and laid down the seats and tried to get some sleep. I, I think I ended up, he was supposed to be back around 4am and uh, yeah, I got it. Got about maybe like two hours of sleep and uh then I hear him go Nick! at about 3:30 AM. So he took about a 30 minute pit stop there um, while I got, got dressed and ready to go. And he was 
taking some calories in and mm-hmm. he was 50 miles in at that point and looking really fresh as a daisy. He, uh, yeah. So then we took off for, for loop number two. So now did you fly out just for this or this, uh, was convenient no. on another plane? Cause I was like, man, that's some serious dedication right there to fly out just to pace Wesley for 25 or so miles, whatever you did with him. <laughs> no, I was, uh, I went, I went for, uh, for father's day, surprised my dad for father's day weekend. And, uh, being that father's day was on Sunday, I was going to either go to Athens or, um, figure out or, or Mohican. If Mohican was going to take place, I was going to go up there and take in, take in that race. Um, but it got canceled or postponed, I guess. And, uh, I texted West CPB in Athens and he was like, well, uh, I got this really bad idea. And I said, I'm in. That's all it took. That's all the bribing was necessary. Well, my dad lives pretty close to Shawnee. So, uh, it was a lot easier just to drive down there. I didn't know if he was like waving like a box of oatmeal cream pies at you being like, come here, Nick, I got something. <laughs> but so you jumped in with him about, you said three thirty in the morning and he said he was looking really, really strong though at mile 50. Yeah, he looked good. Um, I would say we did the, the opening loop for those who know the Shawnee course is a six and a half ish, seven mile loop um, before you hop on the backpack trail. And, uh, we took that really slow, um, probably about 15 minutes per mile on a, a decently runnable area, especially with a lot of the dirt roads. But I just took that as he's being conservative and he's ahead of schedule anyways. So we, uh, yeah, we took off there and, and honestly, like the miles and the time just kind of ticked by, I, I don't, I don't really remember him complaining much at all. Um, but I imagine, uh, he probably has a lot more details about what happened after I left him too. How far did you run with him? Was it 20 something? Yeah, I went to camp Oyo, um, which was at mile 23 on the course. And then I just took the, the main road back to the lodge there, which was like another three miles for me. Um, but there's pretty much not really any place to bail out. So it was either I, I bailed out there or I, or I went for 50 miles with him and, and if I'm completely honest, I, I didn't really want to spend 15 or 16 hours hiking around the forest with him. And I knew that would put me, uh, put me on limited time with my dad too. So I pulled the plug there. He was very appreciative. He looked good when you left too, right? Or was he starting to slow down? No, he still looked good. Um, he had good spirits. And from my understanding, it was, I guess, about not too long after that five or six miles later that uh i don't know i guess he had his low spot but still pretty impressive on a on a course like that and an adventure like that to really only have like one one low spot he was even positive the first loop i guess he he went through like several hours of downpour and, and got pretty cold and he, he seemed to have a positive outlook about that after after the first loop that's pretty awesome for his that hundred mile first known hundred mile attempt, right? Isn't that, would that be true? Uh, I think it might be the first known, but I I Mm -hmm. do know that Wes sent me something last week of somebody that did 150 in Shawnee. Mm -hmm. I believe his name's Uh, Michael Camp. Yeah. That sounds right. Three loops of Shawnee in like 59, 59 and like 40 something seconds, I think. Mm. Yeah, I I tried telling Wesley um, the other day that that's the show that we need to have soon, um, him and Michael on to talk about that experience and just the massive amount of like time spent in the Shawnee Forest. Um, so it, it would all blur together at that point for me. I mean, it already. I mean, I, I've ran there a few times and. You know, I can, I identify a few spots, but you know, after a while, things all start to look the same. You, once you, once you get back there and all that greenery and it's just roller after roller. Eric Anderson, Eric Anderson wants to know if he had drop stations for fuel and water. Nick, do you know what he did? I was, I never, I really got a chance to talk to him too much about the race or the, not really race, yeah. but run. Yeah. He had uh he had his own aid station set up, um, they were pretty, uh, pretty far apart. Um, I would say really about every 10 to 12 miles. So I think he had maybe three on two or three on course. 
Um, I know the first one wasn't until he got to Camp Oyo, which was at, you know, mile 23 or so of that loop. So uh, I, I, he mentioned to me he, he wished he would have put more out there, at least for, you know, going on to the dark side on loop two. Um, but he, he seemed pretty prepared, pretty stocked. It was a pretty big uh, kind of a plastic bin that he had stocked with Cokes and oatmeal cream pies and jugs of water and things like that. Just chilling like somewhere easily accessible off the road or like hidden. Yeah, kind of just like next to some trees off so, the road a little bit anyways. So this is kind of a, uh, a behind the scenes fun fact that you get from the group chat that uh, I have with Wesley and Alex. But he mentioned to us uh, when he was making his final preparations that to make the amount of mashed potatoes that he needed for his uh, eight stations, he had to buy a whole nother pot for his kitchen. He didn't have the equipment ready for that part of the uh, the challenge. He had to do some kitchen shopping. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting choice. He had, uh, yeah, they were like boiled boiled potatoes, like the kind, kind of tiny little potatoes um, cut up. And I think he mixed some salt in there with them and had them in baggies. And I, I, from what I understand, he's never had those during any kind of ultra run before, and uh, at least not on purpose. <laughs> And he, uh, yeah, just went for that. But he, he kept going to him because he would tell me, hey, can you reach in my pack and grab those potatoes? Like, that was a common theme every three or four miles. Nice. have to try this out sometime. But, I mean, it makes sense. It's starchy food with a bunch of salt on it and uh, probably be very tasty because it's real food, too. So I can see that. Well, yeah, one funny part was he did, uh, he, he decided that he wanted to climb the fire tower on loop two. And uh, I, I really didn't know this about Wes, but he kind of let me in on a secret that he's pretty afraid of heights. And uh, we were climbing that fire tower. And, and I really I don't know if it's because he had 60 or 65 miles on his legs or, or the fear of, of the of the climb up this, you know, 50 foot fire tower. But his legs were shaking pretty good. That's for sure. I wish I would have seen that. That would have been good. It's a little sketchy. I was saying, in his defense, that fire tower feels older than the forest. <laughs> well, when we went up during um, the first year, I climbed up there to get some shots in the morning, and it was like still kind of really cold in the morning and kind of dewy, and I was like terrified I was going to slip and fall and like just tumble down or tumble out of it or something. But yeah, no, it is kind of sketch, especially with the wind too. Once you get above the tree line. Um, <laughs> But no, that's good. I'm excited that Wesley did uh, did that and got it done. I'm very happy about that, and hopefully we'll be able to chat with him. And uh, what was it, Michael Gamp? Or I believe Michael Gamp. Yeah, if, if he's uh, if he's around, he'll have to correct us. But... Yeah, see if we can't get him on the show and Wesley and talk about the 100 and 150 mile respective runs in the Shawnee Forest. Because from what I hear, that that dark side is just mentally brutal. Um, yeah. I made it about a quarter mile into it at this year's Shawnee 50 before I had to turn around. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, I guess moving on a little bit from that, uh, last week we had the Canal Corridor 100 race directors on. I say we, like I was there, um, I was not. Um, but they talked about uh, the race and what they're doing to make it a safe race, given everything that's going on with the coronavirus right now. Uh, but Travis is running it. So, we wanted to ask Travis, are you training differently knowing that they're taking these extra safety precautions in during this race? Um, I don't think I'm training any differently. Uh, I think I have a, a plan in mind that's going to be different than most of my hundred mile races. Um, just because of, uh, how this course is. Um, it's very different than any hundred mile race I've ever ran. This is, you know, it's supposed to be fast. It's supposed to be flat. Um, I mean, this is, I'm used to running hundred mile races that have 10, 12 times the amount of vert that this has. Um, so I think it's just going to be settle into a pace and keep running. Uh, we'll, we'll see what actually happens. Um, <laughs> if, cause I, who, who knows what the weather forecast will be like. Uh, but as far as I know, um, shouldn't I, I, I'll have a mask with me 
Um, but I'm not planning on having to wear it. I'm not planning on taking aid from any of the actual course aid stations. Um, my wife, um, Aaron will be there. Uh, my father-in-law will be there. Um, and then I think I might have one other person there. Um, so <clears throat> I'll have people handing me stuff. Um, you know, hopefully I can get in and out quickly. Um, probably a lot of liquid nutrition stuff. Um, we'll see. I, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. Um, with how the wave starts, um, you know, I, I, I think they're doing a really good job with, you know, all the precautions. I watched the show with Emily and Hugh last week. Um, it seems like they have, you know, they, they really developed a, a super solid race plan. Um, they're very fortunate that this isn't on any type of, you know, parks proper, um, like Ohio department of natural resources. Cause I, I know there's some issues with, you know, permits being issued there and, and different cities have different, um, health code with, you know, who, who, and how much, and, you know, is this a considered a, a gathering of, uh, like a mass event? So, um, you know, I, I think I feel safe. I'm not going to be by anybody. I don't think we're allowed to even run with anybody, um, is, is kind of how I understood it. Um, so yeah, it'll just be, you know, cruising along for, you know, a few miles by myself. Are you worried about the, um, the way that they're going to do the starts with that one minute difference? Um, even though you might, as they said last week, probably starting near the very beginning. Um, it's still a couple minutes that you may not know at the end, if you're like really pushing and you know, that person left the, you know, in a, in a wave before you, <clears throat> you know, that might uh, be a different aspect. I think I was pretty conservative with the time that I gave them. Um, I, I think I gave them a pretty realistic time, uh, but it was probably more conservative. It wasn't me overshooting what I think I'm capable of. And I think some people might've given them uh, quite a bit different times. I don't, I do not think I will be in the first wave. I might be in the third wave um, with the time I gave them. Um, so I actually would prefer that. I'd rather chase people down than be in the lead. Um, then no, I'm being chased. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Um, who, who knows? I mean, it, it's, it's a long day. I think there's a lot of good people in this race that, you know, some have a lot of foot speed that, you know, might not have ever ran a hundred miles. Um, so it, it's really interesting. Well, I, I'm, I'm actually kind of nervous for this race more so than I am for a normal, uh, mountain hundred miler. <laughs> it's just going to be a very different race. I, I'm not nervous because of, you know, the state of, uh, I guess the pandemic we're in. Um, I'm, I mean, I feel like I'm taking precautions on my end and not going to be by anybody. I think it's just that like kind of funny race jitters that I, I don't really get anymore that I kind of have going into this. Yeah, I was trying to see if I could find if there was anybody new that got added recently. Um, like there's a bunch more people that don't have bibs yet. There's some new additions, but none of them that I recognize. That wave start is interesting. I think, uh, I don't know, I, I didn't get to catch the, the race director show yet. Um, but it, it, it would almost make sense to to have the runners like put what number wave they were in like on their back or something like that you know something that could alert the runners to it and it also would correspond to the minutes but yeah that would be it'd be interesting being in like wave four and not knowing how you know close you need to be to the next person or well yeah because you guess can... in... go ahead i was gonna say i guess in theory just know who you started with and Anybody oh, you pass, you. hopefully, <laughs> was in a wave before you. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I don't know. Um, uh, I, yeah, I, it's just going to be kind of scary. You get to see people on that and back. Um, you know how much ground you're behind. Uh, if, if you're looking for any type of, you know, I know lots of people are just trying to finish, um, but... <laughs> 
the the people that are trying to um, you know place in the top handful of spots. Um, it's going to cause some people to burn up because they're going to get nervous too early at mile 35 or 36, whatever, where the turnaround is when they saw somebody already coming back at them seven minutes ago. Um, I, I think it might cause some people's race plans to kind of queue off or go off a little bit early. Um, you know, maybe burn up some energy a little bit earlier than they probably should. Are you good at ultra math, Travis? Um, no, <laughs> I'm very bad at it. I can't even add when I'm running. Well, I mean, I can barely add when I'm not running, so <clears throat> I'm not quite sure if that's a skill that should be expected of you at mile 75. Um, so you talked a little bit about how this race is different already in that it's a flat dirt towpath. You know, um, you basically just kind of have to pick your pace and go. Uh, have you been doing any like specific mental training to deal with, I don't know, maybe even boredom that you would have trying to run just like a certain minute per mile pace for 13, 14, however many hours you said? Um, I think my training um, it stays pretty consistent. Um, that I, I'm used to kind of being, being at peace with myself when I'm running where I don't really get bored. I kind of just zone out. Um, I kind of just put one foot in front of the other and, you know, forget about things for a little bit. Um, I think the last like six or seven weeks in a row, I've had at least a 30 mile run every weekend. Um, I even had, you know, three or four weeks ago, I had a 68 mile run. Um, it was kind of a race. Uh, well, it was a race. It was a virtual race, but you won, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, like a extremely fast time. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty quick, but it, it was very, it was very, very different, um, with how it was set up. It, it, it was actually, you know, if it, if it would have kept going on, um, for longer the it, it, well, so it's supposed to be similar to that, like backyard ultra style where it's, you know, four point something miles, um, every hour, whereas this was one mile every 15 minutes, um, until you got in a groove one mile, every 15 minutes kind of felt like you were rushed for a little bit. Um, when, when you got back, you're like, Oh, I've got like six minutes to do this. Whereas like, you know, I've, I've done one of those backyard ultras before and it's like, you know, if you finish in 45 minutes, you just have 15 minutes to sit there. So it was, it was, it was different. It was, um, it was interesting. I mean, I'm not, I'm not mad. I did it. I'm happy. I did it. I probably won't do one again. Um, but it, it was something to do, um, on a, on a nice hot Saturday and help helped with training. So yeah, I think, uh, I don't think I'll get bored. I think I'll zone out. I think with the aid stations as frequently as they are, um, you know, it, it's going to kind of go pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see um, the outcome and to, I don't know if I'll be able to be there for the finish, but I think I'm going to be there for the start. So I'll be able to see that lead pack with yourself included being set off. Um, yeah. Last I saw, um, this could be interesting. It's only going to be 80 degrees and it looks like rain all day as opposed to earlier in the week, it was supposed to be like 94 and sunny. Yeah. It'll get definitely get faster times. I think, right. With the being cooled off a little bit, but I mean, the <laughs> rain part might mentally kill some people. So, yeah. The rain might slow you down, you know, just an extra few ounces in your shoes on your clothes. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm, I'm excited for it. Like I said, you know, so we will be uh Ridger nation. will be watching and rooting you on probably. <laughs> Uh, and we're hoping that uh, maybe, you know, you can pull a win and we'll see you here and uh, stay on that horse, as Wesley would say. We'll see. Uh, you know, it, it's going to take it would take a, a, a truly epic performance with no mistakes uh, on Saturday. You know, I, I, I'm not saying I don't have it in me, but, it, you know, it, it would take a few people probably making some mistakes and me having just a perfect day. Um, but I, I'm I'm planning on sticking to sticking to my plan all day and you know just hoping it hoping it plays out Wait, best of luck on that um any other 
guess it's more for Nick and Cam. Are either of you training for anything at the moment? Any races? Nothing exciting? Well, uh, I can lead off and say that I'm training to come back from a stress fracture that I re-injured. And I put down a whole blistering two miles in about 19 minutes today on the uh, Chicago Lakefront path. Nice. Um, so, you know, don't give me too many kudos on Strava for that huge effort. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just trying to be really patient with this. Uh, this happened in February because I bit off way too much um, to chew on, really, with my training plan then. And then I re-injured it, being bored in quarantine, trying to come back too early. So this is actually the least that I've ran uh, since I first started running, probably like my sophomore year of college, um, these last few months. So was it too many? Was it too much mileage or intensity, or what, what was it? A combination of both that caused the stress fracture. It was too much mileage um, for my lifestyle, uh, is the way I want to put it. Because I don't think that it was the mileage alone that did it, but the fact that I added three doubles a week, kind of out of nowhere. Um, and then also would spend most of my day on campus and not eating, um, and then sleeping only like five to six hours a night. That just really was sort of like a disaster of a recipe. Right. Um, so go ahead and take this moment and be like, if you want to add a bunch of miles to your training, maybe make sure you actually sleep at night and you're not in a one year master's degree program and super stressed out about that. So good to know i'll take that into consideration next time i try to add some miles um and so you said you got a two mile back today what's your what's your goal are you trying to get up to back up to three or four or five times a week or are you, you know, staying low mileage I'm, for a I'm while i'm trying to get back up to i mean where i was before like 60 to 70 miles a week at least um training to run ultras halfway decently um I really don't have like a lot of results that I can look back and be like, yeah, I'm really proud of, of that race. Like, I think I ran a really smart race, you know, um, my first ultra was the 2018 Thunder Bunny. I think I met Nick Voss at the, uh, the camp there. Um, and I went out like a minute behind Travis and I had never run anything more than a half marathon before that. Um, so I blew up like absolutely just like ridiculous, like had a conniption by like mile four. Um, ended up like walking till mile 16, finished in like seven hours or something. Um, and that's pretty much how my whole ultra running career has gone. Uh, since that moment, I haven't really learned like any of my lessons. Um, so I'm still in like that stage of the career where I just have to kind of try to figure out how to actually run these events. Um, fitness sort of like notwithstanding. So I have some pretty big plans for next year. Um, that involves racing a lot and trying to survive a lot of races and pushing through low spots and learning how to deal with uh, things that come up when you're running ultra marathons. Um, because I for sure don't think that I'm at like a point um, where I've like got it all put together, uh, training wise or race strategy wise. Well, I would follow Travis's training schedules and not Wesley's training schedules. Um, one might lead you to a bit more success. But Wesley, for some reason, does random. I don't understand how that even works for him. It's like uh, huge random weeks and then cutbacks. Yeah, I don't. Travis, I think Wes. Know? I think Wes has some genetics on his side um, yeah. that help him out quite a bit, and I think he does have a good amount of training. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think Wes sandbags a lot Yeah, and, and he can, he can really make it happen sometimes. I also think he was running half marathons at like 14 back when I was still like desperately trying to gain weight so I could be a good enough linebacker to play college football. Um, huge shocker there that that didn't happen standing about five foot nine, but you know, yeah, we live and we learn. <laughs> Nick, are you training for anything coming up? Yeah, any big plans for some running? You obviously just did a good 25 or whatever and, and held your own. Yeah, yeah, just kind of trying to trying to have as much fun this summer as I can and stay consistent with running. Um, my, I had a pretty heavy race schedule planned. Um, and then, of course, you know, COVID came and took a lot of those races away. 
Um, and then I kind of just switched my strategy to kind of, well, and, and race directors kind of helped me out with this, with their ideas, but basically, um, putting your name on a wait list where you're not really committed to the race, um, which has its own challenges, of course, but you got to try and pretend like you can train, uh, train as if it's going to go on. Um, but actually this weekend I'm doing, a just a little 12 mile run, um, over in Silverton, Colorado called Kendall mountain run. Um, it's a nice, nice little six mile, um, 3000 foot climb, mostly up uh, four by four Jeep roads. And it's got some good history to it. It's put on by era vapor running now and, and Jamil's group, but, uh, it's, it's been around for, I want to say, you know, at least 15 or 20 years. Um, so that's cool. And, and also get to bring a little bit of business to Silverton, which lost hard rock, which was supposed to be next weekend, um, as well. But, but that race got the full go ahead from the city. Um, of course, with the same kind of, um, social distancing, kind of a lack of a finish line and wave starts. And then, uh, I just saw today that, uh, Michael put his name in there, so he's going to be running that one as well. He jumped into that race, but it'll be interesting to see because he added himself so late. They've already chose the waves, and there's only 10 people per wave, so I don't know how that's going to work for him if he's going to get added um, to the end. or I, I think they have to be pretty strict with what they've proposed, so we'll see how that works out for him, but he might be starting with uh, wave 15 or something that go off every 5 or 10 minutes. Yeah, that'd be real interesting to see the because Michael's not one to not like race, so I would be very interested to see his time afterwards. Like, if, especially if you're on that first wave, I would be really nervous. Because if he's actually got yeah. you know, potential to run that thing as hard as he can, like I'd be starting to be like, ah, I better put some buffer on here. Hopefully, yeah. yeah lucky I, lucky I for him, lucky for it, him. There's uh, there's some pretty good runners in that field that are they're a lot better climbers than him at least. So. Uh, and I and and they can run pretty well downhill too. So I don't know that he can make up enough time on the downhill to to hang with maybe three or four or five of those guys. Is that what you were gonna say, Travis? Yeah, I was gonna say also if he gets if he gets all the way back there, I'm not sure if it's Jeep roads up. Um, I don't know. I don't know the course, so it's wide enough where you can pass people. Yeah. It's not gonna be a Congo line. Yep. Super wide and then just a little scramble at the top, um, which normally you come right back down the same route. And for COVID reasons, they're having people actually go off the backside um, after you scramble to the summit of Kendall Mountain. That's exciting. I don't know how I would be able to do with that much vert, though. (laughs) I might cry. Nick, I can't remember what... um, So with Kendall Mountain as a go... What what was the actual reason for Hard Rock? Um, I, I I know I probably remember it a few months ago, but what why was Hard Rock actually canceled? Yeah, you know I'm not sure. I think I think it was a, a kind of a conglomerate effect of some of the Forest Service um, being uneasy about it. I don't think they got hard nose, um, but the race director uh, Dale Garland, I think, just kind of agreed that the race wasn't going to have the same feel, um, which I know we've all talked about kind of that a little bit. And, you know, do we really need to go race right now? And and I'm, I'm in the boat where we don't. And especially if, if you don't get the same, uh, you don't get the same experience that you're used to and what you love so much about running. Um, but then again, I mean, I'm running races too, so I'm doing that more for me. Um, just to, to keep motivation but yeah i don't think i don't think anyone told hard rock no i think they just made the the proactive uh conservative approach to to canceling it mm-hmm. and a yeah, bigger controversy on that is that they're because last year got canceled due to snowpack now they're looking at um they're allowing all the all the nevers people who have never started or never finished um, to roll over to next year, but then all the veterans, um, and the, the else group, the people who have a couple finishes to their name, maybe they're, they're pulling them out. Um, and then they have to redraw a lottery for those folks. So that's all kind of a bummer. Like that's, that's weird. Cause like you, you appreciate the way that like, you know, people who haven't got a chance to run 
one of the iconic races that that's really cool especially being canceled twice but man that's gotta suck too if, like you were drawn in that lottery which isn't necessarily an easy lottery to not like you're guaranteed you know you might have to wait years to get back into it yeah, well the nevers are getting in they're they're all going to get rolled over um the the veteran pool as far as as i'm aware is pretty it's almost guaranteed that they're going to get in um just because people who have more than five finishes uh are tend to be older individuals and they're not necessarily coming back every year to run it so i, I think looking maybe it was two a couple years ago now I, I looked at all the stats in the lottery and i think for the veterans it was like 35 or something 33 got selected and only like 38 or 9 applied so it's pretty good chances if once you get five finishes but certainly the the else group the people who might have one finish or two finishes they've got um a lot lower chances but it's not as low as the as the the nevers um so i think they also wanted to emphasize that if they keep pushing out the race and keep rolling it over it's just getting harder and harder for people who have never run um, the race to get in. So I think they're trying to open up some more spots for those folks too. Travis, yeah. you raised your hand there. Yeah. One, one day I've got, <laughs> I've got tickets in. I, I don't know that I'll ever get in. Once <laughs> you get drawn next year. Unlikely. Unlikely, but not impossible. Yep. Yeah. So other other things I've been seeing on the running radar recently. What was it? Mike Wardian. You guys see that attempt? He ran the Del across the Delaware. So we have what Brian doing the across the Ohio one, and Mike Wardian stepped up and ran across the entire state of Delaware. And I think he did it in like twenty. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was like twenty six hours. I thought it was. I um, saw something about that. It, I saw his live map of it. It was is a pretty. Yeah, I mean, people are getting creative, and you know, it, it's it's force it's almost forcing creativity, which is kind of cool. Um, you're seeing a lot more people, you know, either going for FKTs or maybe running in areas that they haven't ran before. Um, so I, I mean, Mike Wardian still races like every day, so um, I, I think that guy probably will still have 50 races, with you know, 47 of them probably being virtual this year. Um, uh, yeah, he's he's a he's a he's an interesting guy. <laughs> um, it's I think hard it's hard to keep up with him and all the <laughs> stuff that he's doing. And yeah. I, I remember when I first heard about him, it was the same deal. It was like, you know, there's 52 weeks in a year, and I think it was an article that said he ran 46 races that year. And it's like every weekend he's going out and doing. And these were you know actual in-person races, of course, varying distances. But one of the coolest things I've seen um, that I remember Mike Wardian did is he ran. San Diego hundred, which is a, a decently, I don't know, I guess you can call it mountainous, a decently uh, high elevation gain race. He got third, finished it in 21 hours or something like that. Um, and then it started on, on, on Saturday morning and he got a few hours of sleep and then drove across town and did the San Diego rock and roll half. And he ran 118 at the half after getting third and a hundred miler, like seven hours, he finished like seven hours prior, which is pretty crazy. Cause one of my buddies was running it just as his kind of goal race. And he ran one eighteen, So he ran with Mike Wardian and set a personal best. <laughs> and that guy had just finished a hundred earlier that morning. That's nuts. And then what, Corey, Corey, I think Woldering, 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 I think I say his last name, ran the Ice yeah. Age Trail. like, And that's like, I think, what was it? I think it was 1,200. Is it 1,200 miles? It's more than 1,000. I don't remember the um, the exact distance. But, but that the fastest known time for that, which I think it was, yeah, fastest known time for that. Mm-hmm. That was another one of the good ones that people were just going out like, I got to do something. Need, Try this one out, see where it goes. But definitely a very good effort from him. You guys see anything else out there people have been doing? Just lots of FKTs like that. Yeah, I mean, I think they're still good for um, for the runners, but I don't know if like... 
just I don't know. It's weird. I don't think I would go out and try to do all those kind of things. Like I wouldn't attempt even. I mean, even if I was skilled enough to do so, I'm not sure that would be what I would want to do right now. But yeah, yeah it's, mean, almost, it's interesting because some of those trails are so crowded right now too. Um, just with a lot of people going out to recreate. So without without race directors putting on races and and you know that's completely out of their hands you know people are just you know i, I think the amount of virtual races going on right now it, it's 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 almost i don't want to say laughable I, I think it's it gives people something to do but i i almost feel like as a race director it would be harder to put on a virtual race um than it would to put on an in-person race um, behind the scenes. Um, I, I know, I mean, just from the, the race I did a, a few weeks ago, um, these guys were individually logging each one mile lap into an Excel spreadsheet for 15 hours straight with 75 people running um, and making sure everybody hit cutoff times. Um, so it, it, it almost seems like so much more labor intensive um, and then they're bringing in less money because the races are cheaper because there's no actual overhead. They're not supplying, you know, food or aid stations or shirts or metals or anything along that. Um, so I'll be curious, um, you know, whenever we come out of the other end of this pandemic, um, will there actually still be any virtual races or will everybody be like, yeah, we're, we're done with that. We're, we're, that's only, you know, contingents plan, um, never, never touch one of those again. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I mean, I, I think there's going to be a lot of those, I don't know, like more, um, I'm trying to think of a good word for it, but I, I've seen a lot of like random virtual five Ks pop up. They all have these really funky, cool looking metals or something weird. And like, but you just get hundreds of people to sign up for it. And like you said, besides the cost of, the the metal the you know the the shirt and shipping for that like there's just it's not the same overhead and i feel like there's a lot of companies out there that are capitalizing on that and just producing tons and tons and tons of them like you know three a weekend every week and i'm curious if those will stay people you know because people do like when you get a hold of metal like it's cool to hold your metal and whatnot and if you can just go out and do it conveniently then yeah but i think a lot of people like We'll go back to wanting to do races and not anything virtual because you know that part of the race i think is the experience of being at a race and you just can't doesn't matter what kind of virtual race you do it just doesn't it's not the same mm -hmm. but yeah i think that's really well put um i know for me even i'm kind of in the middle of things always at any race that i'm at a big part of it is always sort of like having someone's back in front of you to chase Right? I get much better performances out of myself um, when I know that there's people in front of me. Uh, and I just, I don't know if I would be able to sort of like recreate that kind of thing uh, for a backyard race or not a backyard race, but for a virtual race. Yeah. And I think it's the exploration, you know, running on a trail that you might not necessarily run on, getting to see certain areas that you don't necessarily get to see. Um, I mean, that's why I sign up for races. I tend not to do, well, I can't say that I've ran a lot of races twice. Um, but it's just because they fall into my schedule and they're like 50 K's 50 K's are just tune-ups. Um, but I think that a lot of races have, you know, whether it's historic or, you know, people sign up because they see somebody else is in that race. Um, yeah, that's what keeps people and And a lot of people also just do it to, you know, just to finish a race, um, you know, there's a lot of just really awesome races out there. And, you know, I think my, my goal moving forward now, I think is I'm going to try not to run any of the same races besides maybe a select one or two. Um, but just to, you know, cause apparently we never know when races are going to be canceled anymore. So, um, obviously it's out of everybody's hands, but, you know, take advantage of, uh, you know, these races, why we're still youngish and running and, uh, you know, having fun out there. 
Yeah, I just have a huge, uh, huge Word document with just all the different races like split up by regions um, that I want to visit. And for me, that's a big motivation is just going to see new, new places and um, kind of seeing and not just the race itself, but seeing the trail community that is associated with that race, like the local community. Um, for example, like going up to like Chuck and I in Bellingham, Washington is on my list because I just want to. I want to experience that town because it's more of a, a trail town, um, kind of like I think what 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 Athens is is starting to kind of grow into a little bit. Of course, not to that quite to that level, but um, yeah, that's that's what that's what does it for me. So I, a lot of the races that canceled for me this year, they they had the option of doing virtual or deferring, and for me, it's it's an easy it's an easy choice just to defer to next year. Yeah, I mean, I would I agree with a lot of that, like going and seeing those races and like some of those environments. Like uh, I think one of my bucket list one was always to get to UBM, uh, UM, yeah, UBNT. I can't talk right now. UTMB? Yes. <laughs> Dyslexic over here or something. Um, and, you know, I've heard so much about like Chamonix, the town that they go through and, and how like even even if you're at the tail end and you're finishing, like that crowd is still there. And it's kind of like unheard of in ultra running for a crowd of that size and i think that ex would be a, f a fun experience and i've always wanted to go out and do um either leadville or hard rock um and kind of see those areas of the mountains that i would like to explore so, yeah i think it's yeah seeing going and seeing everywhere is gonna be great so that's the goal for me too would be to just start listing off i like the whole word document idea just you know forget about them i'm sure it can be very easy to just oh what was that one race that one spot no but mm -hmm. well um <clears throat> given that we don't have like a ton of time left i wrote uh some more rapid fire questions that i think we could all answer um towards the end here um, so I'd like to start that. Um, the very first one is for Travis and it's, uh, got to do with what's on the screen there. If you're paying attention, um, is Fitz going to be at Canal Corridor 100 with you? Um, I do not think he is going to, because we are going to get a hotel room the day before, <laughs> the night before. Um, but, uh, so he's, he's not going to be allowed in there. Um, mm -hmm. But um, we have somebody watching him. Um, he will be at some races here in the future. Uh, this one just doesn't work out so well. Um, early start, kind of, you know, assumed it's going to be a fast race um, where, you know, it's going to be a lot of in and out of cars. Um, so, no, the, the doggo won't be there. Um, he... Uh, He's gone on a, a few jogs with me until I found out you're not supposed to take a dog on runs until they get a little bit older. <laughs> I, I kind of looked that one up after. Um, it, so he, he's got about two more months on the sideline until uh, he's, he's developed enough that uh, they, they say it's okay to take him, take him on runs. <clears throat> so okay. sometime soon. Yeah. And how long are runs do you plan on eventually taking him on? I mean, should we expect a 50k around Worthington with Fitz in two years? No, no, he's gonna be a he's gonna be a three mile dog. He's gonna be a cool down. Okay. Uh, but he, he 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 likes to run. He gets excited. Yeah, I take I take him out to the field every day. But yeah, mm -hmm. no, I, I don't think he's gonna. I don't want to wear him out too much. He's gonna live a long life. Just just three milers. Well, that's good to hear. Um, always exciting to have a dog around. Um, so moving on to uh, the next question that I have here, um, and I guess we can all field this, but would you rather run an ultra marathon? I didn't specify a distance, uh, but wearing moon shoes or Hulk hands, and you can't take either of them off at any time. What are moon shoes? So they're, uh, I might've went a little too young with this. Um, they were distinctly a thing I remember seeing commercials for, but couldn't get, but they were just shoes that had like springs on them that you could jump higher in, like you were in lower gravity on the moon. 
I don't even remember. I'm going. This. I'm going with Hulk hands. Um, and you know, if it's a 50k, uh, mm-hmm. I'd I'd even be willing to put beers in the Hulk hands. <laughs> yeah, see, I still with with the Hulk hands, you still could probably grab a two liter. You know. Yeah, take a drink. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think Hulk hands are really giving me too much of a handicap there. I feel like you're overestimating the dexterity that you'd have in those. There's no <laughs> finger control, you know. You'd be smacking into your legs. You have to be running with your arms out like this. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think the hardest thing is is if I'm wearing the Hulk hands when the race starts, trying to start my watch. <laughs> You can use your nose, like when you're in the wearing gloves in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Can't get your gloves to work. Yeah, but I don't know. That felt like a uh, a very difficult question, and I I think Hulk hands is the answer, right? Because like you don't want to mess with your feet at all during an ultra, but also just like it ruins every aid station. You know, like can you imagine going into an aid station and asking somebody to like feed you the potatoes? Because your hands are essentially useless now. Oh, you gotta go to the bathroom. That would suck. Mm. Yeah. You have to cool down. Yeah. You just have to let it go, I guess. <laughs> uh, what are you thinking? Nothing next? I've ever not done before. <laughs> I I kind of agree with what you said, Cam. I I can't I can't mess with my feet, so I'd have to I'd have to go with the Hulk hands. What do you what do you foresee as like the biggest problem of an ultra marathon wearing Hulk hands? Um, probably. Oof. I hope your shoelace doesn't come untied. I guess for me, for me, it would be how hot my hands would get, depending on uh, what kind of climate the race was in. Um, I can't even wear gloves until it's like ten degrees out, so that would be rough. Yeah, there's uh, plenty of drawbacks there. There's no, it's one of those questions there's no right answer to. But um, so moving on from that, what is the uh, shortest distance that you think you could run like a timed uh, like 24-hour, 48-hour race on? Um, thinking a little bit about people who have been doing those sorts of things in like roundabouts where they're running like 400 or 500 laps in a roundabout or – like a 0.10 mile loop in their backyard or something like that. How long, what's the distance or the time? What is the shortest you think you could do that for a 24 hour ultra? The shortest lap distance, I guess. For me, it's probably somewhere in the five mile range. (laughs) I think I would have a hard time anything shorter than that. That, Maybe the the backyard mm -hmm. ultra distance, four miles. Mm That feels like such a huge distance compared to what what I expected. I think I, I definitely could do a could, I couldn't be I couldn't be the couch guy. Yeah, or the uh, the guy from the quarantine backyard ultra who ran around the coffee shop. Yeah, yeah, that would be a bit much. He had a good reason though. It was like straight up blizzard outside. He lives in Canada, yeah. so he uh, mm-hmm. he didn't have a choice. He did some outside miles, and then he just was forced to stay in the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said you think you could do a track, Travis? Yeah, yeah. I think you know, 400 meters. It's it'll all blur together anyway. You know, if you're running 24 hours, what's the difference with having everything right there all the time, stopping whenever you need it? Um, you know, a lot of a lot of 24 hour and 48 hour events are held on tracks anyway. Mm-hmm. I, I think I can just zone out. I'm, I'm pretty good at just completely blacking out during races. So I, I think a track would be totally fine with me. You have to get that left leg really strong. Mm, yeah. I might have to switch directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They do that in desert solstice at the 12 hour mark, but I don't know if that's enough switching for me. Yeah. yeah. I think I could do a 10th of a mile only because the track at ping is 0.1 miles and I've done multiple 16 like to 20 mile runs around that track. I've done 160 to like 200 mile lap, 200 
laps around that track. And so as long as I'm not counting, I think I could be okay with it. Okay. That's, that's shocking to hear. Um, so I've never seen the pink track, but if it's anything like the, uh, the indoor track at the Ohio State Gym, the turns are so sharp. I did like three on it one time and my hip was sore for like four days. Like, how much switching are you doing in this? I don't know, maybe every couple of miles or something like that you could switch if in that case. But I did, because it's the way that track is set up, you have to run Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday in one direction, and then Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, the other direction. So I ran all 160 laps in the one direction anyways. So that was like three or four hours or something like that. I forget what it was. But I had one of those little like clickers. Because I used to work at the auditorium. So we had like those people clickers to count people coming in. So I was sitting there like click every time I went around the track. Just click. So I was like, I had started counting at one point. And I was like, this isn't going to work. I need a better system. So I had one of those clickers I would take and just count laps around the track. I still want to go back there and do a marathon on that track. One of my goals. But we'll see. One day. 262 laps? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> and I mean, that that's coming from the guy who says he blacks out during races. Um, well, I've, I, I've I ran a five. doing that. I've ran an indoor 5K on a 200-meter track, mm-hmm. and I could not do a 200-meter track. I mean, it was, it was too much. It was too tight. It was too too much of a turn, and it was just consistently you were always leaning in. Yeah, you definitely did. That have those bank turns, Travis. Uh, no, we were not at a high end D one school. <laughs> All right, what's the next question there on your little speed question quiz? All right, so. Uh, we've all heard of the beer mile, right? Four, uh, four laps, four beers. Um, fastest time in the world is something ridiculous, like 420 or even faster. Um, but in keeping with that theme of like alcohol and track events, um, there are some others that people have done in the past. And I was wondering what you guys thought you would be better at. So there is the, uh, the Jack Daniels two mile, which you might think is an ode to Jack Daniels, the famous running coach, but it's really just eight shots, eight laps. Um, Or the vodka steeplechase, which is a 3K regular steeplechase, but instead of the water barriers, you have to do a shot of vodka. I could probably do that one. Not the Jack. Just one, one, one shot for a 3K? No, every time there's a water barrier, so. Like a dozen, I don't know, is it? Not familiar, hundred percent with the steeplechase. I just know that this water hazard. I think it's I think it's eight. Eight. Yeah. So it's the same total amount of alcohol, but you're cutting off two hundred meters and adding barriers. I have to be eight shots. That's just. I'll be thrown out. Oh, it, I guarantee yeah. I'll be thrown out. <laughs> no, it's it's far too much. There, there's a reason that nobody ever really goes beyond the beer mile, and that it's um sort of like a terrible thing to do to your body. I'd even throw up in a beer mile, probably. I just, that's too much like stuff shaking around in there. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely that's... prefer the, uh, I, I would prefer the Jack Daniels over the vodka, but mm-hmm. when you add in the wrinkle of shorter distance, I don't know. That's tough. I'd probably still go with the Jack Daniels. I think I could. Mm-hmm. I think I could hold it down for the race, but it'd be pretty, pretty ugly afterwards. Yeah. Um, I think the big question for me is the barriers and the steeplechase and whether or not I'll be, I'd be able to do it fast enough that none of the uh, sort of like body control effects of the alcohol would kick in quite yet. And I'd still be able to get over the barriers because uh, that could get real ugly real fast. Yeah, just yeah. A little I'm still re- still recovering some from some running drinking issues. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not doing that again. Hmm. Mm. The worries for another day. Yeah. 
So um, as probably kind of a last question here, as we wrap up, um, I think a lot of people will remember the infamous aid station food draft from an earlier panel show in which Nick Voss took orange slices um, way too high. The uh, draft grade on that was not good. Um, so this question is, do you think you could run an ultra fueling only with solid fruit, only one type of fruit? I'll leave that choice up to you. Um, do you think you could do it and what kind of fruit would it be? Given that the um, that one gentleman ran the 100 miles with only water, uh, I think it would be possible. Mm -hmm. The question is, what would be the best choice? I think it would be bananas. I think they're balanced enough in terms of energy and um, potassium and stuff like that that would be from locking up. Yeah, I hate bananas, but I'm going to agree with you. It's probably the most calorie-dense fruit. Dates. That's a good one. Just from uh, Jim in the chat said dates. Those would be really good, actually. Yeah. Super, super sugary. My yeah. teeth would be rotting out. Mm -hmm. Well, especially when you're like... Aren't, aren't dates something that like older people uh, eat to speed along their digestive system? That's prunes, though? I think. I, I think that's prunes. Those are prunes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> He said he ran a 50K in Israel mm -hmm. this year and lots and lots of dates. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Makes sense. Probably uh, local and not mislabeled as such, like the uh, the beer I drank during this show. <laughs> it was not local. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I think I got Deschutes confused with uh, the Des Plaines River, which is actually local, but you know, I'm not from here, so... I guess local, Travis is like, no, it's not. Yeah. Like <laughs> I said, in your defense, Cam, they, mm -hmm. they may have a, uh, a brewery where they produce beer there in Chicago, too. Kind of like uh, Lagunitas, how they mm -hmm. uh, have a local place there. But, but yeah. certainly, certainly that's, that's Bend, Oregon. Mm -hmm. No, and you know, they say the, uh, the Lake Michigan water certainly helps. I, should, I went swimming the other day. In Lake Michigan and swallowed a little bit of it. Um, and it was terrible. So, <laughs> hey, don't do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a, yeah. I think, um, I think we're right about at the end of time here. Is there any, any last mm -hmm. minute questions on there? Or are we, uh, we good on that list there, Cam? No, I, uh, I think we're good if there's no more questions that anybody wants to ask from the chat. Um, I guess we'll just let Nick and Travis plug whatever they want to plug. Yeah, you got any plugs? You got any, uh, everyone will definitely will be watching you on sat Saturday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What time's the race start, Travis? Oh, a nice early 5am start. Um, so yeah, 5am. I don't know if there's tracking or anything online. I know it's a chip time race. We have to wear a big, gaudy ankle bracelet and i mean big it's like three inches thick and it's foam and it goes around your entire ankle um so uh yeah not actually looking forward to that i'll get some mrs zippel updates i'm assuming yeah. the service is going to be good should be should be she should have her phone But no, that's all I got. Well, yet again, we are excited for it, and we'll definitely be watching. Um, thanks, Bridgewater Nation, for tuning into this episode. We wanted to welcome Cam again. He did a fantastic job this evening with us, um, and he'll be around for you know another month or two, give or take, depending on Wesley's uh, schedule. And if he ever decides to come back to running, um, that is still unsure. The Shawnee 100 has definitely scared him away. Um, we can follow us on Instagram, social, on all the social medias like Facebook and everything like that. If you haven't subscribed to the channel, please do. Um, and we will see you next week on uh, the next Ridge Runners Live episode. And we're hoping to have a couple very special guests if we can coordinate everything correctly. And um, we are looking forward to it greatly. So 
Thanks again, and we will see you guys soon. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Rizzo Nation. Nation.